The more established the uncharted world of Barry has become over its four seasons, the more unsparing its determination to spin out of convention. And yet, for all of its bold compositional maneuvers, Barry is not a show known for musical composition that demonstrably stirs the pot. Throughout his patient work as composer for the genre-denying show that is sadly yet fittingly concluding this Sunday, the cues of David Wingo have illuminated points of entry and exit between seemingly incongruous transitions, mostly in ephemeral flashes, unsung in their effectiveness. Rather than punctuate the contrivances of each dramatic and comic space of operation, Wingo's music patrols the pathways and ramps connecting them, gingerly straddling the areas delineated more obscurely than in most shows. Wingo and the show's creator, lead actor, and director Bill Hader recognized long ago, probably somewhere in the show's first season, that when writing, acting, and timing are all coming together in ways that provoke the kind of commotion and intrigue that Barry has, it's best to stay out of the way musically. And still, you always feel Wingo's presence like a conciliary, in the measure of his steadying hand. The music doesn't play favorites with characters or take sides in their conflict, but rather shadows and undergirds their actions, whether good or evil, desperate or assured, and almost always misguided. Wingo's music is unbiased in its role as an escort to fate. In this final season, Hader seems to want you to linger in the ambient sound coursing underneath sequence. There are deliberate stretches that suck you into strangling pockets of quiet, taking from one of the season's main touchstones, No Country for Old Men, the scant whistling of plains wind is the constant, providing more of a sense of place and displacement than any cue could. And in the tense climate, one lone minimal cue comes and goes in its subtle variations, an almost metronomic reminder that the end is near. In the practice of determining the unusual ways to bend the narrative arc of Barry, Bill Hader has undergone his own arc, and along the way, Wingo has been there, flexibly adjusting to that evolution. If you love Barry, you might not know how much you owe that admiration to the connective tissue of Wingo's themes. David Wingo has contributed his musical touch to numerous films and TV shows since testing out his scoring voice on early 2000s indie gems All the Real Girls and George Washington. But perhaps none of them warrant as much examination as his role in Barry, which is why this episode is committed to his work there. What follows is an interview in two parts, one coming right on the heels of the conclusion of season three last year in the backyard of Wingo's home in LA, and one coming just as he had wrapped up his score for this fourth and final season a couple of weeks ago. For fans of Barry, this is for you. And for anyone else looking for insight from one of the people that has made this series so great over the last four seasons, you've come to the right place.
David, it is good to see you again. Oh, well, actually, I haven't seen you before, but we've, we've spoken before. Good to speak again, yeah. Yeah, good to speak again. Tell me, so you were just in Yosemite, yes? Yes, I just got back on Wednesday. And was that sort of a, I need to get away and relax and kind of get in touch with nature after this uh, whirlwind? Yeah, I, I had a long stretch of multiple jobs, kind of all like overlapping enough that I have not really had much of a break since early January. I did the first episode of the new season of Atlanta. And there's an Apple TV show that comes out next year called Extrapolations, and I did an episode of that. And then Barry and also Mayans. Yeah, just a long run of being very busy, not really having much for weekends. So, right. yeah, it was a way to clear, clear the head for a little bit. I got a little break here. How did it feel? Break. Like, was it what you expected? Yeah, I went there last year. It was actually the waterfalls were like at maybe 30% of where they were at just because of the drought. So that was okay. kind of sad, but all but still gorgeous, obviously. I've never been, but I plan to go one day. I felt like when I lived in New York, I realized after I left, I didn't take advantage of so many of Because I love upstate New York and also just living close to the ocean. And I had a truck for my band. And I was always bummed out that I didn't really take advantage of it. So since I moved here, I've taken advantage. I feel like I go out to the desert or the mountains whenever I get a chance. What parts of upstate do you like? Um, Saugerties, Woodstock area. I love, love it, it so much. Yeah, yeah. Every time I go to the city now, I I go upstate. Like I, If I have a city trip, I extend it so I can go upstate. I love it so much. I almost moved there instead of here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm curious, when you were driving back or just when you, when you drive in general, where you do things in general, do you ever listen to podcasts and like uh, digest kind of what the takes are out there about what you're working on? Or do you kind of tune out on that stuff? I tune out to a degree. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you interested in like how people are talking about the show? Very much the, so. Yeah. I mean, I look on I look on Twitter after every episode airs okay. and, and see what people are saying. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm totally interested. I brought that up because I thought it was really interesting to hear Bill Hader talk about every episode on the Prestige TV podcast with Sean Fennessy after every episode aired. I think that's part of what is like making this impact me so much is kind of like getting the visceral emotional reaction to each episode and then hearing Bill talk about what went into his thinking right after yeah super fascinating if, if there was other shows that i've loved from the last few years like that was i loved severance i loved oh yeah white lotus if those had been if there had been that version of those i probably would have listened right yeah it's fascinating i mean with this like you have to keep in mind when we talk about the music for the show and we're and we're at the mixes and i'm hearing a, probably a lot of what he's saying on the like his ideas about why the music needs to achieve a certain thing yeah here and why the sound design needs to yeah you know so i, I am hearing a lot of that in my job <laughs> right all the time right <laughs> yeah um based on these episodes i've been hearing from him and talking about his process i i know he relies quite a bit on his writers room team his mm -hmm. team of writers and bouncing things off of them and trying to make sure there's that everybody's kind of like feeling the direction is right and true um, and that's always something that he reinforces all the time is that, is this honest? Is this like something that feels truthful as a human, as a, you know, we're not trying to sensationalize things. We're not trying to make things more entertaining just for the sake of it. We actually want to kind of just keep true to these characters and the direction of the story. Is he 
having that conversation with you in terms of what you write and how much do you get into discussion with him about what you write as opposed to you just handing over things and him okaying them or or saying keep working you know yeah uh a lot of my music for not just the episodes in this season but for the previous seasons there's a lot of just like minimal like kind of foreboding drony stuff and not a whole lot needs to be said about that although there are particular types of sounds that he's drawn to for a particular scene Some more involved piece of music, yes, absolutely. Um, like the uh, think about the track, the tracking scene of Sally in the first episode. Oh when my she's god, she's doing her show. Like, we worked on that, we started on that weeks before anything else, before it was even locked, because he was really uh focused on having that scene show Sally's degree of a what it's like to be, I think, holding the reins on a show like that, but just Sally's degree of uh how far she's gone since the last season uh-huh. and so I, the music was really important for that so yes absolutely really got really got in depth about where Sally's at and the kinetic feeling of this scene so yeah I mean that's introducing us to her whole exactly. new world mm-hmm. um, and where she's where she's landed yeah we, we tried several different things like I, that so was my we, question how many mm-hmm. times how a many lot and he knew that that was probably going to be the case with that which is why the first three weeks of me working on this season was just working on that scene wow. yeah, and tried just a bunch of different things. He was thinking maybe we're going to have a whole new, since this season was so much more cinematic in a lot of ways and bigger, he was wondering if the music was going to need to re- reflect that throughout and have, we talked at the beginning about having maybe some orchestration this season and having some brass and really thinking maybe this scene was going to show the direction of maybe a new, a new sound for the season. He kind of thought the music maybe should capture how overwhelming this is for her. And so that's why there was a lot more going on in some of the other versions we did. But ended up kind of pulling it back, pulling back the reins a little bit. Um, it almost kind of gives it, gives it this little push through her walk. That's what it's doing. That's really what it, it ends up just being like. kinetic energy pushing pushing through like stopping every second to answer all the questions yeah so effective in that way yeah and that's what it ended up being but then like uh, the music for her premiere i was (laughs) we're on the same wavelength okay well because so much of the music is a short but also like just droney like yeah these are the ones that are more like involved that you would notice more i think so that one was yeah a lot of talk about that about this moment for her so talked about feeling kind of like subjective to her experience of like being at Cinderella's ball like really trying to f- feel like this is everything's opening up the world is opening up for Sally 
big premiere. She's she's the belle of the ball, and really dreamlike. Yes, and so that was not like a typical piece of Barry score. That was very different, and that was orchestral, and we did treat that differently. And that was so fun. That was like, yeah. But again, wondered if this would be something that would be like Sally's theme versions of this running throughout, but it really wasn't. It was, it was kind of like in a vacuum for that particular scene. Yeah, you haven't really done, in your, in your work before, I feel like, has not entered that realm of kind of this abundant, lush, swelling kind of... We did of on, on, love, on my score for Loving with Jeff Nichols. Okay. There's right. some of that for right. sure. Yeah, because um, of that story, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And and that was the most like traditionally orchestral score I've done where there was no electronics right. in that. There was some like sound designy stuff. But uh-huh. It was a very orchestral score. And then Midnight Specials, a little bit of that too. Mm-hmm. Fantastical more than Oh right. When the lifting. when everything is exactly. aliens are being mm-hmm. revealed and yeah. But a lot of Jeff's stuff and a lot of David Green's stuff and so much of Barry is really dark ominous stuff that it, when I have the chance to do something more melodic it's nice to be able to yeah. flex, flex that a little bit yeah. so I mean you know I started out as a songwriter like writing songs and thinking in, in terms of melody more so Absolutely. that show Kidding the Michelle Gondry Dave Holstein show that was the most melodic score I've ever done so yeah I, occasionally here and there I get to so it's nice yeah. when I have the chance get to get to open and, up and yeah. lean into something yeah. a motif or whatever yeah. I do feel like I, th- there's a way to look at this season as kind of a an arc of Sally like oh certainly I mean from where it starts and kind of she's got she's riding a high of being recognized and having her own show and being in charge and all this all these things that she's not experienced before then she's by the end confronting her past and her old trauma and and in a very harrowing sequence um, yeah ama- and and uh, and Bill has the same instincts I do cinematically I think about if you notice like that those scenes like when she's in the scene with the executives when she's at the coffee shop and it's realizing it's being pushed out and then the darker darker moments there is no score like bill kind of keeps bill's pretty economical about the score for the scenes that when the actors are really at the performances kind do of, the talk and i don't think yeah. he's doing a lot of i mean and the the camera work that he is doing there the cinematic language is always like like when she's backing into the room, like backing into oh, the dark, man, it's yeah. so cool. Like there's no way we're gonna not gonna score that. Like it's no. doing all the it's doing all the work, and that's I think we have a lot of taste in the same films and aesthetic and yeah. way of thinking. So yeah. Well, I know that one of his favorite movies is No Country for Old Men, and, and me too. There's and, no score in that. And there's zero score in that <laughs> except for the beginning, yeah. like a yeah. little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know, has he ever articulated to you 
or is it just something that is understood? I mean, is he, does he talk about why um, he prefers brush strokes that kind of sneak in behind characters and sneak into scenes that just give a little bit of a climate ch- shift? Well, I mean, the mo the, when we're when I was starting on the show, the big hurdle to figure out was how much does the music help with the comedy mm-hmm. and how much is it and he knew from the beginning he did not want to get all a typical like comedy score but was still like do we do it at all though and so like the like the one of the opening kids like traveling to LA we'd done kind of a whole like high energy kind of score and they ended up just licensing a song after I tried a bunch of things because I think we just kind of realized like I don't think this is how the score is going to work in Barry. And so from that conversation, I just realized, like, oh, we're not, I'm not scoring, the music is not going to be scoring a comedy. It's kind of what we decided. The music is going to be scoring the dramatic elements. The comedy is going to be more dry. And then, and then from there, yeah, I think it was just, it's because we put out the soundtrack recently, and going back and, like, listening to some of those early tracks, like, oh, this was different, for sure. Like, this was doing more. There was accordion. Haven't used accordion oh, right. in the last two seasons. Very integral in the first yeah. two. Yeah. Kind of forgot. Yeah. And that did give a lightness to it a little more, but also used it in some of the darker stuff. And I think as the show was kind of pared down and it had a more of a less is more approach to it, I think everything's kind of followed suit. So I don't know if we've ever really had to... That's why I was surprised to hear like that first. I was like, I don't remember we ever talk, us ever talking about this. Yeah. I just started doing more and more kind of... Str- like especially towards the end of season two, it's really noisy, barely, like no melody... Just a lot of just textural and and rhythmic elements, mm-hmm. um, especially like when Barry's driving to long sequence when Barry's driving to Cousineau's when he realizes that Fuchs is out there, and I think that was another moment um, where I realized like oh this is how far we can go in terms of non traditional score here is I did you know it's like a seven minute scene so of course there's going to be multiple passes on that you have to expect that and turned in the first one it's like this is this is cool, but it's doing a little too much. Let's mm-hmm. try and so I got back in and halfway through, I was like, I'm making a really weird piece of music here. This mm-hmm. is mostly just a lot of noisy feedback, like e- eboing a bass. And I've talked about this before, I think to you, maybe on the last time, but through some weird piece of equipment I got called Sherman filter bank that just makes everything really distorted in a very unique way. And that was almost the whole track about four minutes in. I was like, this is, I either, change now or I just keep going with this but I was like this might be too this might be too fucked up and weird like I don't know and was like I'll go for it I just remember watching it with him and Alec and just kind of like tense like they're they're gonna be like what was that (laughs) that was like a mishmash of just sounds a noise and no one saying anything just watching it they're they're like that was great I was like oh shit okay that's what we can do and that was at the end of season two so 
that certainly shifted my thinking into realizing like we can there's not a lot of rules here mm -hmm. and uh that was not minimal in terms of there was a lot of sounds going on but it was certainly minimal from a compositional standpoint mm -hmm. um and so i think i took that and kind of ran with it a little more this this season in discussion um, most recently with somebody that I spoke with um, goes by Blank Mass um, oh yeah. yeah he's awesome yeah he's one of the guys from Fuck Buttons right yep. yeah yep. yeah that stuff's great and he's known for long pieces of music that can stretch for many minutes and I was asking him about having to kind of like learn to kind of be more succinct and, and I wonder is it maybe like a natural way of thinking of something is that longer more elaborate cues are harder than shorter more succinct ones and he was saying actually the short ones are the hardest to me uh, because how do you say something in 25 seconds yeah how you know and do you do you do you feel that way like is because you do have to kind of a lot of your cues for this show come in in little moments and sure. fl flashes um yeah it's, it's and quite a lot of it is that how do you feel about that it's just been a i think it's always going to be a process of me having to suppress the songwriter <laughs> part of me because i and i still sometimes get self-conscious when i'm watching back and be like oh that was only 35 seconds i didn't need to run through like a whole chord progression like i could have yeah. just yeah I, I i still have this instinct to be like even if it's only 35 seconds to have a clear beginning and build up and resolution at the end Sometimes, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch back something and kind of wish I had been a little more minimal about it. So he's, he's correct in that regard. It's, it's hard to, but I've, I've, learned, I've learned more about the process of it. Like if I start with something more textural and a drone rather than starting with like, this is my instinct, like start with the bass line. Well, then mm. I'm going to do like a little, an actual bass line. It's like, maybe this doesn't need a bass line. Or sometimes I'll just take out the bass line. Uh -huh. It'll be the bass line that's carrying the progression, and I'll think it's that, but then I throw enough textures in there. I was like, what happens if I meet the bass? I was like, then it's just a, a wash of things. I was like, well, okay, don't reject that. That's what this needs. Yeah. And also, I, I did commercials when I was first getting my film scoring career going, and it was very low budget indie stuff that was certainly not paying the bills and I was still working at video stores I was doing just as much uh, commercial work like three or four a year 
And of course, that's like, yeah, that's what you're doing, 30 second thing. And that's not just going to be a wash, that's going to be <laughs> writing a little micro song. And so that. A jingle. Yes, <laughs> or my version thereof. So yeah, it's always. And then I try to tell myself, like, well, maybe it's that push and pull that makes it makes it work. That yeah. There's still some sense of propulsion or melody in there, but I'm also really trying hard to rein it back. You're saying you're not writing for comedy for the show, but I thought that, and I, I don't even know if this was you, but uh, or where it came from. But I thought that the computer game music. I knew you're gonna say that. Yeah. People, people love that. Music. Oh my god. You're like I did not write it. Okay. That was licensed. You're okay. like the sixth person that asked me if I wrote that. <laughs> More people have asked me about that than any music. Like, <laughs> then you actually wrote. <laughs> people love it. I loved it. I don't yeah. know. It was just. I forget fun. where he even got it. Yeah. It was like a, it was legi- it was I think it was legitimate video game music from okay. like yeah. from like the early nineties. Right, they got somewhere, but yeah, man, people can't can't get enough of it. You did speak. You know, we've been talking about how the music has evolved and different things that you've tried, but when Barry is being let out by the SWAT team, we find that simple mm-hmm. Gene and Leo cue mm-hmm. come back. you about why that why that works there is it because it's like a bookend of sorts like maybe it's as simple yeah. as that yeah that was in the opening jeans opening scene and we didn't even talk about this as being the reason it was actually after it was all so i went in for the spotting session and that was already in there mm. Allie had put that in there oh okay yeah um it's often how stuff like that works out Allie put that in there, and I was just kind of like, I, I could do something new, but that seems pretty good. And, uh-huh. and and then kind of put it together. I was like, oh, that is like Gene's. So the first episode of the second season, when Gene tells him he's shutting down the acting school. Yes. He's just too distraught over Janice. That's the same piano line. And I think, and, and, and there have been other versions of it in the previous, in the first season, I think. Maybe not. Either way. It's that like sad, slow kind of plaintive version of that. So yeah, that completely bookends Gene. Like the first right. time you see Gene after Janice is dead is that right? Okay. And now he's here. Yeah. So, so that wasn't even the reasoning, but it's still in our. But emotionally, like I said, I think we all have the emotional kind of trusting our the reason that that probably worked for all of our emotional instincts is that. Now maybe Allie was well aware of that, and I thought she was just discovering it and that's why she said to me it was a discovery she might have completely had, had that in mind when she did i don't yeah. remember she didn't point. say why she chose that one oh, no, i mean that's i think once we started talking about it, then that came out yeah but, um, i'm not sure if that was her reason or if she was just going through but it, either way i think even if and i do think if people are a real fan of a show and really keeping up and emotionally invested with these characters very very small 
percentage are going to recognize it. Oh, that's the gene music from when you first you first see him after Janice dies. But I think you do maintain some sense of it in you that this is a t this is tied to a sad, yeah, a, a very deep soulful thing with Gene. Yeah. And so to hear it there, yeah, it does does something more. It just yeah. adds one more layer to the emotional resonance. That's of it. right. Yeah, that's I mean that's right. that's why that's why films generally are scored with. Recurring things. Right. It does something. <laughs> it brings something back yeah. that you didn't know was exactly. in there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for indulging me. Um, yeah. As I said when we spoke before, I've been following you since uh, All the Real Girls. And, you know, th that progression and seeing where, seeing all the things that you've been related to and involved in has been f a lot of fun. And this. This has really impacted me, this show, in ways that I've really not experienced before. I don't want to sound too hyperbolic, but I mean, I'm not, re I'm not been so affected by a, a, a conclusion of a season ever. Wow. Um, maybe, maybe some Breaking Bad stuff, but like. Yeah, no. Wow. So I, I'm very. It's really awesome. Yeah. Just considering like what I was saying about not. Seem, seemed like there was a little bit of nerves all around about how people would respond. So it seems like your response is, is common. So yeah, it's, well, it's really been awesome to see. To hear that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, sure. it's amazing. <laughs> uh, well, David, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a re thank you for allowing me to come over. And, yeah, you know, thanks for talk, coming. It talk was, with you. I, it's been great to talk about. Great to talk about Barry. 